I need you to sit down and listen to me. Are you sitting yet? Good. Now you can call me, well, let's just say everyone calls me Randrill. I've brought you here to listen to my favorite podcast, A Paranormal Chicks. Don't worry, Terry and Donna haven't paid for me to bring you here. Yet. Don't bother trying to press stop, I have removed the button. First up, I sense their sightings, and once this is done, we're gonna listen to another, and then we'll do it all over again. Hope you're comfortable. So long for now. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 132. And you just heard Randy, a.k.a. Randrew, with his scary serial killer, stalker, lurks in the distance voice. So himself. Very true. Very true. (laughs) We love you, Randrew. Yeah, that intro was amazing. And you know, you want to do an intro? Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay, the first one. A spooky decorating tale. Hey girls, love the podcast. I thought you might enjoy my little story. I live in a small house in South Liverpool, UK, along the Mercy River. My house is roughly 130 years old. It, with many others in my neighboring streets, were built to house the workers and their families who built the Titanic. What? That is so fucking cool. I bought the place three years ago, and whilst the place wasn't a complete steal, I did get it a fair bit cheaper than my friends who also live in the area. I really didn't think much of it and put it down to the fact that the place was so bloody badly decorated and it would cost a small fortune to fix. I had been in the house a good month, finally unpacked everything, and started to settle in. I was laying in bed late one evening listening to an audiobook. I started to hear footsteps walk up the steps slowly, intentionally. I turned off the audiobook thinking I may have misheard an audio effect. I heard more footsteps, this time reaching the top of the stairs and starting to walk across the hallway, the century-old floorboards creaking and popping slowly and purposefully. They reached the doorway of my bedroom, and by this time, I was sat bolt upright, bracing myself for the sight of an intruder. No one was there. I didn't feel spooked, just puzzled. The sounds were so distinct. I got up and checked the house. Still, just me in the building. A few weeks go by, and I'm starting the much-needed redecoration. I start with the main bedroom. After a few days, I finish, and that night, I hear the footsteps again. A little while later, I started on the living room, having the original fireplace uncovered. I finish, and that night, I hear the footsteps. Notably distinct this time. This has continued to be a pattern every time I decorate, be it painting a wall or putting up a shelf. I like to think this is the old resident coming back to see what I've done with the house. What's interesting is many of my guests have heard the same footsteps in the evening when staying in the second bedroom. Mid-2020, I adopted two little feral kittens, Dexter and Wilma. Dexter is about as psychic as a brick, but Wilma will often sit up in bed looking at the doorway just before the footsteps start. 
I thought you'd find it particularly funny that I recently had to hire a cat sitter to look after them both for a few days as I was with family. Turns out she heard something walking upstairs as well. Wishing you a happy and safe 2021, Tom C. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. And so they attached a conversation from the cat sitter. Mm -hmm. And the person's like, hey, sorry to bother you, but I wondered, is anyone at the house at the moment? I thought I could hear someone in the back bedroom, but I can't be sure. Oh, no. Yeah. No, thanks. Be like, the cats are resilient. They'll be they'll be fine by themselves. Right. Just put out a litter box and, I don't know, food. <laughs> <laughs> food, water, litter box. They're good. Yeah. Definitely the owner coming back to see what you're doing to their house. But so awesome that you uncovered the fireplace, the original one. Oh, my yeah. God. That's so amazing. The next one's titled, Bitch, You Gonna Die. Oh, shit. Love you, ladies, and thank you for creating such a safe space for us creepsters to share our experiences. Shout out to my cousin, Shelly L., for getting me hooked on this wonderful podcast. Okay, here we go. As a longtime sufferer of endometriosis, at 37, I found myself in need of a hysterectomy. The surgery got scheduled for January 2nd, 2019. In the few days leading up to the surgery, I kept experiencing these very weird moments where I began to feel spirit telling me to buckle up because something was not right. On January 2nd, I was laid out in the pre-op getting set up with my IV and all that junk and just couldn't stop crying. The last memory I have is being wheeled into surgery with tears streaming down my face. It didn't make sense because I was excited to have this procedure done to relieve me of the pain. Plus, I had one perfect, healthy baby and I was done. Surgery went a little longer than normal, but by all accounts, it was a success. Immediately after surgery, I started having issues with shortness of breath and keeping my heart rate down. I did several scans to check for aneurysms and blood clots and all was clear. Two years prior, my mom had gone in for a very routine outpatient surgery and they fucked up her anesthesia. She came out of surgery asking to go to the hospital, telling everyone something was wrong, and the surgical center fought her, telling her it was all in her head and sent her home. (gasps) She woke up the next morning and had a brain aneurysm and died alone. (gasps) My surgeon, anesthesiologist, and the nursing staff knew this and chalked up my shortness of breath and heart rate issues to post-surgical anxiety and sent me home. Needless to say, over the next two weeks, I ended up in the ER three times, twice by ambulance, and was told by the ER docs that they believed I was trying to, quote, scam anxiety meds from the hospital. I had a cardiologist and a pulmonologist in the ER flat out calling me a liar. No one would listen to me. My husband also began to buy into the post-surgical anxiety theory and was basically insinuating I was being a hypochondriac. I felt so alone and I knew something was wrong. I went home from the hospital feeling very defeated. I went to bed that night and woke up the next morning with extreme nausea shortness of breath, and the inability to control my heart rate. The ER sent me home with 10 Valium and told me, take one whenever you feel bad. 
So I did. At 10 a.m. that morning, I took 2.5 milligrams of Valium and sat on my living room couch to do some deep breathing and tried to meditate as I felt I was losing my mind not having an advocate who believed me. I closed my eyes and began to meditate. The next thing I know, I'm standing at my kitchen sink washing my hands. I look down at my right side slash lung and see gold sparks and fire coming out from the side of my body. I started to back up from the sink and I hear a loud voice that I have never heard before say so matter-of-factly, you are going to die. At that moment, I had backed up from my kitchen sink enough that my back was up against my double oven. I felt my soul shake loose from my body as I began to slide down the oven to the floor. My soul was freed and was no longer contained in this human vessel. I couldn't breathe. I felt my pocket for my cell phone, but dropped it and could not call for help. I felt myself die. I felt my soul leave my body. And in that moment, I was looking at my dead body on the floor and I knew I was dead. The next thing I know, I open my eyes and I'm sitting on my couch. What I had just experienced was so real. It was unlike anything I had ever experienced up to this point. I was shocked I was alive. I knew this was a warning. I knew that if I did not get medical attention immediately, I was going to die. I walked into my husband's home office and I told him I needed to go to my surgeon's office right now. Now. Immediately. He fought me, told me this was all in my head and I was just anxious. I told him I was going with or without him, so he passive-aggressively grabbed his keys and drove me to my surgeon's office. When I walked into the office, my surgeon took one look at me and called for a wheelchair and called the hospital next door. They wheeled me over and my doctor came with me this time. I had the same cardiologist, pulmonologist, and nursing staff that saw me the week before getting ready to check me over and looking at me like it was an inconvenience for them to be there. Again, I was straight called a liar and offered Xanax. My surgeon got into a screaming match with the ER team in the hall to have them run a full CT instead of their shitty ass x-ray that they wanted to do. 20 minutes after my completed scan, the whole ER team walked into my room with their tails between their legs and explained that they had found a blood clot in my right lung, exactly where the fire and the sparks were in my earlier experience. None of them apologized and seemed annoyed at my presence. I was so fucking mad and wanted to cry at the same time. I looked at the ER team and basically said, You are charging me by the second to stand here and find some way to convince me that you guys don't suck. I'm sorry that your egos are bruised, but kindly go fuck yourselves and get out of this room. Their mouths dropped. Apparently, they're not used to being called out. This was followed up by a couple of nurses rushing in to tell me, don't move, don't breathe deep, don't talk. They pumped me full of blood thinner and sent me upstairs. I was in the hospital for two and a half weeks. 
My surgeon came by my room that night around 11. I told him in detail about my experience. He said in his 45 years of practicing medicine, he has had this happen to three patients, and I'm the only one to survive. He called what I went through a near-death or out-of-body experience. He let me know that he has heard this before, and though he can't explain it, it is absolutely divine intervention. He let me know in no uncertain terms that had I not followed the direction of that voice, I'd be dead. He left, I turned off the lights, and just laid there and sobbed. And then I could tell that I was not alone in my room. I opened my eyes to see maybe 100 people packed shoulder to shoulder, five rows deep. I saw my granny to my right and my mom at the end of my bed. I couldn't recognize anyone else, but I got the sense that they were deceased relatives. The energy in that room was thick. In that moment, I knew I would be okay. And I was. I lived to raise my four-year-old daughter. I lived to continue my life's journey. I lived to share this story. Bottom line, trust your gut. Listen to your intuition. I don't know why I'm so emotional reading this. Well, it makes sense. It just might save your life. Creep it real and don't get scared. We all have angels on our side. Love and mad respect, Jen. What makes sense that you would be emotional to it? Because, I mean, you've essentially gone through that. You've essentially had that exact experience where you didn't you didn't want to be a bother or people are going to think you weren't telling the truth when you couldn't fucking breathe. Yeah. And you had a blood clot in your lungs too. I mean, it's understandable that you would be emotional from that. (laughs) I mean, suck it up. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) It's so easy to be so jaded when you work in the medical field, but then it's like, but fucking no, because people know their bodies and listen to them. And just because you ran one fucking x-ray, I mean, like what her do sim- a CAT scan. Yes, do her symptoms were my symptoms. Like do the CAT scan and this could have been avoided. Well, we're very glad that you're here and you have sounds like a like literal fuck ton of people <laughs> yeah. on your side. Yes. And I want to know what that conversation went like with your husband. Oh, my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. oh my gosh that's so funny and so true (laughs) okay the next one aloha ladies first off thank you for your lovely podcast i enjoy and look forward to tuning in every week i live in hawaii on an island called lanai more common mispronounced as lanai and there is a mo'olelo story that it was once inhabited by ghosts The story goes that Kalulael, the son of the chief, was sent to Lanai as punishment for his trickster ways. Joke was on them as he ended up tricking all of the ghosts that lived on Lanai and killing them, thus making the island inhabitable. I'm not sure how one kills a ghost, but a couple of ways the Kalulael did it was by fire and drowning. I've often wondered if these ghosts were indigenous people of the island and not actually spirits. Hawaii has a rich history of supernatural stories, not just Hawaiian ones like the Manahuni, Giant Mo'o's Gecko, or Night Marchers, but other ghosts too, like the Obeke one that is Japanese. 
I'm not writing to tell you about any of these ghosts, but my very first ghost encounter, which happened in Avignon, France. It was way, way back in May of 2016. I was on a European trip with two of my friends, and we had plans to visit the Palais de Pop, which is a historical palace in Avignon, and was the papal residence for a while starting in 1309, which is one of the largest and most important medieval Gothic buildings in Europe. It really is something to see like a grand castle from a fairy tale. There's a large banquet hall where they would hold feasts back in the day. The banquet hall is an extremely large room. You can easily fit hundreds of people in the space with no furnishings at all. The walls of the banquet hall had these small pink stained glass windows at the top, and I wanted to admire them from afar. So I looked behind me to make sure no one was there. And when I saw there was no one behind me or around me for yards and yards, I took a few steps backward. Much to my surprise, I felt my shoulder bump into someone and whisper something into my ear that sounded like Bella, but was for sure in a foreign language. I was kind of confused because I hadn't seen anyone when I checked, and I was also embarrassed for accidentally bumping into someone. I turned around to apologize profusely, and there was no one there. Not only was there no one directly behind me, but there was no one at all near me, as the gigantic banquet hall was practically empty. Needless to say, I was completely shocked and thought, shit, I may have just had my first ghost encounter. Luckily, one of my friends I was traveling with witnessed the whole thing and confirmed that there was indeed no one behind me and saw me react like I had bumped into someone. For the rest of the day, I could literally feel the spot in which the ghost touched me, like a lingering tingle. To this day, I can still recall how the ghostly whisper felt in my ear. I've yet to have another ghost encounter of that caliber, but my day-to-day life is usually riddled with synchronicities. Most recently, a friend of mine in Seattle sent me a photo of a Raggedy Ann doll someone was trying to sell and made a joke about who would want to buy the Annabelle doll. Then started talking about Robert the doll, and I was like, yeah, he's haunted as fuck. We don't talk about him. Also want to add here, mad respect to you, Robert the doll. You're cool by me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you are cool. Yeah, yeah, Robert. We, I mean, we We respect you too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wouldn't you know the next morning, Robert randomly appears in my YouTube feed in a video filmed in Hawaii, no less. My friend kept seeing Raggedy Ann dolls everywhere, even when she went to take Santa photos with her kids. Creep up the good work, ladies. Mahalo, Corey. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh, no. Corey, you tested my pronunciation in this one. Yeah, you did. Oh, thank God for Google. And I'm pretty sure I still butchered them all. Wow, that would be so creepy. Like, I can, like, feel the coldness tingly on my shoulder yes, for you. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> and then they're like, Bella. Are you saying I'm pretty? Oh, my God. <laughs> so you think I'm pretty? <laughs> oh, God. Also, you have a way cooler life than me. <laughs> right? Okay, this next one's titled, Worst Night of My Life. Hello, ladies. I have just recently found your podcast starting about the beginning of the worst year, I think, for everyone, before the world started losing its mind. I love you guys. You make my day at work so much more pleasant while listening to your stories. Well, ladies, hold on to your butts because I have a story that makes everyone I tell creep out. 
Also, sorry if this is so long, but it needs to be told. And you can use my name. I don't mind. Anywho, I'm not Edgar Allan Poe, so please bear with me. I live in Ohio in a little town close to Dayton, Ohio. My dad has always been my rock, so you can say I was a daddy's girl, and I grew up going to church, and anytime I had religious questions, he was the one I would go to. Just a wonderful person all around. I lost him to cancer in 2015. Then, five months later, I lost my husband. Oh my God. So, needless to say, I have had a rough life. Okay, so this took place around the late 1980s. I had a horrible childhood, too. My mom died when I was only eight, and it was pretty tragic. She decided to end her life for some odd reason, with still a lot of unanswered questions like suicide always does. But this was even more so because I walked in on her just after she died. Oh my God. So to make matters worse, I started having night terrors, which are just horrible. I would say I suffered with that till I was about 16 years old. So way too long. Anywho, when I was about 12-ish years old, it was in the middle of the night, I was pulled from sleep from a feeling that I was being watched, and it wasn't a good feeling. It was the most evil feeling I have ever felt. Like, I'm talking the most evil, scary-as-fuck feeling ever. So, I pulled the covers up over my head and closed my eyes, hoping whatever that was in my room would go away. It did not. It came over to hover over me, like right in front of my face. I swear I felt it breathing on me. That's how close it was. Like I could feel it was so very, very evil. And it scared me so bad I could not speak or scream or even cry. It was that intense. So while in this situation, I remembered my dad always told me that the devil does not like you to say anything about God. So I started saying the Lord's Prayer. And this evil feeling gets very strong, like it's pissed. So then after getting close to the end, I noticed that it seemed to be moving away like it couldn't handle it. So then at the end of it, it came back full force again. So I started again, this time with more feeling, and it backed off again. So we went back and forth for what seemed like hours, but it had been probably five minutes. And by the time I was done saying the Lord's Prayer About the third time, I finally said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus, and it finally left. It disappeared. Even though I was about 12 years old, I did not care. I went and crawled in the bed with my dad, and I was crying so hard he thought something was really wrong, which it was. I was scared shitless. It seems like since that day, I've always been able to feel evil, including in people. It's hard to describe. I can't see spirits or ghosts, but I'm sensitive to their presence. I call it a vibe. I also use it in my personal life as well, and it has kept me from some creepers, and I love it. Like boyfriends, it works well. When I got married to the love of my life, I remember one night he woke me up from a dead sleep and he asked me an odd question. He asked if it was really me in there. Like, was it really windy? And I said, yes. Why? And he was like, okay, can you say the Lord's Prayer to me? 
to prove it because he knew the whole story that I just said. So I did. I started saying that prayer. And then he looked at me and said he had a bad dream that I was the devil and it was around him and he needed to scare him away. So you can say that night scared the shit out of me as well. I have a lot more stories that I'll send in later, but I thought you would enjoy these. I thank you ladies for all that you do. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Wendy O. My God, could you imagine your partner like waking up like, are you really you? Oh my gosh. Like, are you sure you're really you? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh my God. Like, oh, no. Because you know what? You know, he had a weird look on his face because Carrie will get these weird looks and she'll be like, you had a star on your forehead. One time, uh, one time <laughs> I closed my eyes and when I opened it back, you had what looked like a star on your forehead. And But she like looks off in the distance and was like, you had a star on your forehead. Like in a weird voice. And I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> like, what the fuck? And then, like, she'll just, like, pan over with her. You know, like, how a camera, if you're watching, like, a cinematic fucking masterpiece and the camera, like, fades off, like, it, like, pans over to the distance and you see, like, a shadowy figure over there and you're like, oh, shit, it's looming. It's gonna do. That's what her fucking eyes will do. And then she gets all, like, weird with her voice. You know, that's what her fucking love of her life did and was, like, eyes glaze over. Are you really Wendy? What the fuck? Yes. <laughs> like, what? No. Are you really Wendy? Like, but no, like, are you really, really you? Oh, my God. Like, I'm blinking, sleepy still in my eye. Like, what? What? Same man just fucking left. <laughs> oh, my God. That's terrifying. And then, like, when you were talking about when you were 12 and you could feel the breathing on you. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, scary shit. Also, I can't repeat something that many times because I start making up my own stuff for it. My brain just, it it works different. Donna's like, our father, who art in heaven. Hello! <laughs> yes! I, my brain is TikTok, okay? <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> okay, the next one. Hi, a paranormal chicks. My name is Star. Sidebar, my first bus driver, her name was Star, bus number four. Oh, dang. Represent. I know. I always wanted to be a bus driver. Oh, not me, because I could not drive that. Mm -mm. You want to know why? Why? So I could um, drink Cokes and eat snacks on the bus. (laughs) (laughs) The bus driver always had a fan and always had a damn drink. Damn. You remember, because when we were little, little, we weren't allowed to have like drinks and snacks on the bus. Then it got so hot, kids getting sick kind of yeah. thing, you know, and they're like, oh, I guess we should allow y'all to have water. <laughs> so then it like wasn't a thing and then I quit riding the bus. But when I was a kid, I'd be like, because the bus driver's <laughs> kids always got to eat their snacks too because uh-huh. they were on the bus for so damn long. So he used to always want to be a bus driver and a teacher so I could eat snacks and have drinks that and nobody else so could. so fucking funny. Oh my God, that says so much about you. Like It literally so does. Accurate. Like snacks. And you know what? I didn't want to be a bus driver because our bus driver always took out fucking mailboxes at this daycare. It was like a circular fucking drive. And every time they would take out this fucking mailbox, every time. And I was like, that'd be me. That'd be me. I couldn't drive. It, it literally is you. Well, okay. One time I hydroplaned, okay? <laughs> but like you, you literally One time I hydroplaned, okay? <laughs> this was every time. And this was in a good condition. Like weather was fucking nice. Yeah. Well, she was probably distracted by some kid being annoying. But you want to know what? I bet she wanted to cuss so bad because she would go up in that fucking circular drive and they'd be like, 
no one's coming today. No one's coming. They come out and do that. Oh. Be like, you got to fix your fucking thing now, though. <laughs> like, you know, and she's like, I like having to do the whole thing. And it's like, but also, damn, like my back fucking jostled everywhere. Because she's see, like, woo, like, oh, I'm on a Jurassic Park ride. Okay. See, meanwhile, me. And Megan, who listens to this podcast, we would sit in the backpack so that when we went to yeah, but so we when we went through this one school parking lot because it had really bad speed bumps and we'd go. Oh, I hated it. See, I loved it. I sat in the back because my brother was older and I felt cool. Okay, notice she said she wasn't cool. She felt cool. No, my brother was way older. He's four years older. I will say though, something has stuck with me this entire time, and now, now this. This age, Donna, 36, okay, probably like middle school Donna figured this out, but still, actually, no, uh, college age Donna, but this girl who was in high school, she was like looking at these headstones, okay, and it was Bert and Bert, and she would always talk about them, being like Bert, Bert, and she would talk about like how funny it was that they were both named Bert. And they were buried beside each other. And I was like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. Like, she was how old? She was in high school. I mean, yeah, she was in high school. And I was not, obviously, but I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, mm, then I got a little bit older and I understood that was her last name and not their first name. Yeah. Yeah. she never been to a cemetery before? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Wow. Whoa, tangent. <laughs> Back to Star's email. I absolutely love the podcast and can't get enough of the Sinister Sightings episodes. I've had paranormal stories since I was a young child. Every time, I don't know if it's how you set it up, but every time I just know you're going to say when I was a young warthog, can someone please write in and fulfill my fantasy? You know if they do, you're going to be the one to read the email, right? Oh my God, I would love it. Okay. Though I believe that all my experiences were due to the home or land because I haven't had any major experiences in the last two years. The experience I will be sharing today was when I lived in my first apartment on my own when I was 18. Well, not completely alone. My older sister was my roommate. We had felt free and independent with this fresh start. Now, my sister has always been more sensitive to the paranormal. Growing up, she would see apparitions where I had more experiences of hearing sounds and voices. After being in this apartment for roughly a year and a half, we started to experience things that we couldn't simply brush off or push to the side as just being odd. We started finding dead bunnies on the doorstep of our building. No! The first one, we thought nothing of it because we saw bunnies hopping around the back of the building. There was even a bit of a squirrel problem, too. We figured that a dog must have gotten a hold of it or even a coyote. But it was the second bunny that my sister and I started to grow more concerned. The bunny was drained and cleaned of all of its blood. The organs were also laid in place in a way that resembled ritualistic behavior. Now we were creeped out and we had suspicions that it could have been this one family doing it. We kept our distance from them and rarely had contact with them to begin with. After that second bunny is when we started to have major happenings in the house that were more than feelings or occasional noises here and there. My sister and I were both home doing our normal activities of the day. I was walking from my room to the kitchen and let's face it, I was going to the pantry to snack on some goodies. <laughs> yes. 
While in the pantry, I heard the clothes washer turn on and the water start to fill it. The washer was in the hallway closet and I just walked past and me being completely focused on treats, didn't think anything other than my sister must be starting a load of laundry. And that's when I heard her start yelling, like full on yelling at me as she walked in the kitchen. She screamed, why the hell would you do that? What's wrong with you? Now, remember, I'm minding my own fat ass business over here in the pantry. She's still yelling and I was very confused. I finally got her to calm down and tell me what happened. She stated that she was standing in her bedroom doorway, straight shot view down the hallway, and saw me stop at the washer and look at her with a menacing smile and turn the washer on and walk into the kitchen. She was pissed because her clothes were finished and she hadn't taken them out just yet. I was baffled at her saying that because I was in the pantry when the washer had turned on. It couldn't have been me. I knew that for a fact. I explained that it couldn't have been me at all, and she took the answer as truth with me not having to do much explaining. I could tell this experience shook her to her core, and she's had plenty of experiences. She said, it was as if you, but really it, had done it on purpose to make me mad, and the smile you, it, gave me was not like you at all. It was mean and evil. We were left unease, and the one thing that was lingered in my mind was a possible doppelganger, which in my house growing up, the stories were if you saw your doppelganger, you would die. My father's stories of doppelgangers ran over and over in my mind for the rest of the day. It seemed that the bunnies were more and more frequent, and we went to the apartment office to complain. I was sure that there had to be something they could do to help in these killings of these animals, or at least the cleanup of them. They wrote it off to us as people's religious beliefs involving the summer solstice and that there was nothing they can do. A couple of days after the washer incident, my sister was in the kitchen cooking and I was in my room cleaning. I'd gone out of the living room and stated it was too hot with you cooking in here and told her I was opening the sliding glass door in the living room and went back to my bedroom. About 10 minutes later, I walked out of the living room to find the sliding glass door was now closed and I was getting pissed. I looked at my sister. She was standing at the sink that overlooked the living room and questioned, why did you close this? She looked at me confused and said, you closed it. You came out after walking down the hall and closed it. My emotions were going from pissed off to scared. Why would I close it when I just told you I was opening it because it was hot? She shrugged and said, I don't know, but I saw you come in and close it and go back down the hallway. All I could think was, shit, my doppelganger was back. I was really scared now and was scared that it was going to keep happening, but that was the last doppelganger experience we had. My sister saw another apparition of an old man in a suit, and we both heard voices after too, but those were all things we could deal with and had experienced our whole lives. Every time a bunny was placed on someone's doorstep, they would move out within that month. We never had one placed directly on our step, which I found odd. My sister and I started thinking that it was this ritual that would bring the activity and this trickster to us, and maybe the other tenants couldn't handle what they were experiencing. The bunnies were only for two summers, so it didn't last long. We've been through some paranormal shit, and this was something that we pushed through, and we've lived there for six years total. Thank you for listening to my experience, and creep it real, Star. Holy shit, that is scary. And that's what I know of doppelgangers, too, is that if you see your own... Like, it means death. Good Lord. Also, that just makes you question your sanity. Mm -hmm. Like, everyone involved. 
like, I feel like it's one thing. Okay. If that's your beliefs or you're having these like rituals or whatever, that's fine. But I don't think it's fair to involve someone else that's not involved. Right. I feel like that that's a line that like true practitioners follow. You Mm -hmm. know, if someone doesn't want to be part of it, they're not. And so they're not going to like leave something on your doorstep or, you know, all the things that these people are doing. And it just seems so sinister that they didn't follow those same principles. Yeah. And it makes me think that it was really something bad. Yeah. You know, in all my experience. (laughs) Well, you and your sister are a lot stronger than me because, whoo, you were like two summers, not that long. Uh, one summer too many. Uh, one day too many. One rabbit too many. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. Hey guys, Christina here. So, we moved into our house in January 2020, and we have had a few things happen since we moved in. Right as we closed on the house, we found out from the previous owner's obituary, he died in the house. In the living room. So, when we were moving in, my son and I walked in and I spoke to the man, knowing I felt a pull toward the house from the moment we found it. I'm sensitive to the paranormal, as are my kids. My husband is still in denial, even after fucking with the spirits in high school, but those are another email-worthy sightings, laughing my ass off. So I walked in and did what everyone in the group told me to do. Stand up tall, announce our presence, and tell him. Mr. Lemieux, I know this is your house, but we have bought it from your daughter. She chose us out of everyone and knew we would be a good fit here. I do not mind if you're here, but please do not scare my children and do not cause disturbances. And after that, we were fine. Nothing but a pleasant presence. But since living here through the main part of a harsh Vermont winter, I've started to feel him more and more. I had myself closed off before I had my son to protect myself from any bad connections I had with the ghost we used to see in our old apartment. Nothing bad, just shadow people, if you will. I see a man here all the time out of the corner of my eye, and I get pulled, for the lack of a better word, toward things. One instance was we were looking for tools when I was redoing the mailbox with spray paint and our last name, and I mumbled to myself, damn it, I need to find my tools for stuff like this. Well, I had a voice in the back of my head say, over there, toward the back. I looked on the tool bench that the daughter left for us. It was filled with files and small tools to get it smoothed out. The daughter told us it was empty when we closed. Over the last few months, doors will shut with all the windows closed, and not just close, but slam. And I've been seeing a small person out of the corner of my eye. Rumor is he had a son who passed away, and I cannot find out the age of his son from anyone. No neighbors, anything. So I made peace with whoever is in the little body, and he seems to be friendly, but hello, fucking creepy. Kids are creepy as fuck anyway. Never mind adding little people ghost. Nothing too much more than that so far. I'll keep you posted. Christina T. See, I don't ever trust that a kid ghost is actually a kid ghost. I know. I always think it's obviously somebody or something pretending. Yeah, now that we covered the Sally house, I'm like, "Mm mm-mm, it's lying to you. 
Meanwhile, I said someone pretending like it's fucking Scooby Doo. Oh. <laughs> I loved it. Um, she said, like everybody in the group told her to do. I know. And it sounds like it worked out, you know, aside from the scary kid. <laughs> okay, the next one, TBH, when I looked like I just glanced, I thought it said freaky deaky. And it says freaky dreams, dying, and shitty birthdays. Oh. But I just glanced and I saw freaky D, and I was like, oh, God, they're encouraging Donna's freaky deaky. Yes. Hey, y'all, I love, love, love y'all's podcast. Carrie, you sound just like my bestie from high school, Vicky, and Donna reminds me of me. I'm between a large and an extra large pizza. Boy, I am super rambling yakety yacker, but I have a few stories of weirdness. I had a dream of being on a staircase looking down on a group of people with a man of color dressed as Santa. This must have been June or July. Later in late November or early December, I went with a friend to volunteer at a homeless shelter with a church group. I had a feeling of being there before, but could not place it until I got on that staircase. The scene played out in my dream. Totally freaked me out. That isn't the only time this has happened, but this time is one that always comes to mind. By the way, while I type this, my grumpy grandpa cat is in my lap and making it very difficult. I blame my typos and grammatical errors on him. Anywho, I'm an LPN, licensed practical nurse. I've worked various places and I started my career in a large hospital in Las Vegas. I learned so much and made so many friends of colleagues and some patients also. We had a coworker who I'll call Sissy, who got very sick rather quickly, went to the ICU, had surgery, and found out this person was riddled with cancer. This person made the decision to forego any treatment because they knew it was their time. I was fortunate to be her nurse for the last few days. A few years previous, one of her grandsons had a horrific accident at work and was thought he would not make it. Lo and behold, he made it and was thriving, and with a child on the way when all of this happened to his grandmother. So, Sissy wanted to meet this great-grandchild before she passed. In a very strange turn of events, she was barely hanging on. I later found out that her last night on earth, her great-grandchild was born. I knew in my heart that she was visiting and surrounding that great-grandchild with love and affection before she took her last breath in the early morning hours before my shift ended. Even after her death, I would take the back elevator that Sissy took all the time, and on occasion, the door was closing, then immediately open again. That was Sissy putting her cane in the doorway to reopen the elevator doors so she could go home. Oh my gosh. It was usually around 5 or 6 a.m. when her shift ended. The last time this happened, I said, okay, sissy, that's enough. And it never happened to me again. I had the misfortune to have several patients be transferred from my floor to the ICU because of need of higher level of care. There were a couple of people that I was so invested in trying to keep alive that the next night when I came into work only to find out that they had passed away. It always brought me down and made me question my chosen profession. After the shift at 7 a.m., I would go to bed and almost being asleep only to be woken up by someone tapping my shoulder or patting me on the back. The only problem is that I was alone in bed. It is then I knew that those patients had come to let me know they're okay and everything is fine. Also, my birthday is April 19th 
and I'm the last day of Aries, but so much shit has happened on my birthday, i.e. Oklahoma City bombing, Waco, several devastating earthquakes and floods. But the ones that get me the most are the people that had some direct involvement in caring for, like my charge nurse neighbor, Grandpa Frank, not related at all, but friends of the family for many, many decades. He passed on my birthday, and that year, my only wish was for him to make it past my birthday. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. I also volunteer with my fire department, and I live in a small town about an hour outside of Las Vegas. The fire department went out for a call for a dizzy person. Sounded simple enough, come to find out that his wife had just come home from a rehab hospital that afternoon and they were having a family dinner. We got him in the ambulance and transported him to the designated meeting place that we have in the city of Las Vegas. Upon arrival, he took a turn for the worse. We then called for Mercy Air to come transport. Mercy Air landed, did their thing, and we were helping them load him into the helicopter. Things got bad fast. Needless to say, we all worked to help him survive, but to no avail. My 48th birthday was the last thing I cared about. This past year, I turned 50. Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever you prefer, WTF. My neighbors are a lovely older couple. She is healthy and fun. He had a disease that was very rare, and I still can't remember what it is called. Anywho, I was sleeping when my phone rang, and it was my neighbor asking me to come take a look at her husband because he didn't look right. I ran over to help, and lo and behold, he was not doing well. He refused to be transported to the hospital. He had been in and out a few times in the last month or so. Turns out they were going to be admitted to hospice the next day. Being as I work for the home health side of the company, I called the RN on call. She arrived and was treating him. He passed within 20 minutes of her arriving. He was happy and peaceful because he was at home. Happy shitty 50th birthday. Holy son of a monkey fucking poo. (laughs) No, holy son of a fucking monkey poo. I know that sounded bad, but I'm grateful for the time I was able to spend with these people on my birthday and being involved in their care for their last breath. As I'm rereading this, it sounds like I'm looking for a pity party. I promise I'm not. I love y'all, and you always have me laughing when I'm driving all day to each patient's house. Creep it real and don't get scared. Maybe sometimes you can get scared. Love always, Dina T. from Overton, Nevada. Goodness gracious. My dad's birthday is 9-11. That's interesting that it has, like, it's the last day of, like, the Aries thing. I wonder if that has something Mm. to do with... I don't know, Moon's Pool or some shit. Ooh, I don't know. In true Leo fashion, I'm like, my dad's birthday is... Yeah, definitely got to make it about you. (laughs) Doesn't even fucking mention that I'm an Aries. Well, I'll leave you to you, but... Damn! (laughs) You really do have a shit ton that happens on your birthday. For real. And I totally get that you're not asking for a pity party or anything. It's just like... Damn, look at all this that happens. Like, it's yeah. more like commentary, not like yeah. pity party. Yeah, for sure. Okay, last one. Hello, Marvelous Mavens. I recently discovered your podcast and have been binging your episodes backwards for the past month. I'm a self-employed artist, and I appreciate your company while I create my pieces. I'm the only female in the house with my husband and son, so I enjoy my girl time with my soul sisters. Especially since we've been basically quarantining ourselves together since March. 
Anyway, on to my story. Shortly after my husband and I moved into our current home, before our sons were born, we befriended our next-door neighbors. They were about the same age as us and seemed to have a similar lifestyle to ours. We'll call them Jack and Diane. Jack and Diane. <laughs> Two American players. Oh, God. Land. What? Two American schoolgirls no. in the middle school of the promised land. What is it saying? Why is it promised land? Isn't that what they say? No. In the wetland. Okay, sing it again. Jack and Diane, two American, blah, 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 and then the promised land. Okay, it's not promised land. Okay, what is it? Okay, hold on. You fucked up my whole thing. <laughs> Jack and Diane, two American kids growing up in the heartland. Oh. Good God. I went straight to the Bible. <laughs> All right. Two American kids growing up in the heart. Well, that's dumb. That's literally what I said. No, I know. I just had to Google it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, after knowing Jack and Diane for a couple of weeks, we decided to go on a double date, hitting up a few local bars to drink and good company. We were all having a great time, but as the night drew to a close, Diane invited us back to their place to smoke some devil's lettuce. That was for you, Carrie. <laughs> She don't even know what fucking the lyrics to Jack and Diane is. You know she didn't know what Devil's Lettuce was. Well, I do now, thanks to all the listeners. <laughs> My husband and I have never been avid pot smokers, but thought, sure, why not? These people were cool, and we were still having so much fun. So, we get back to their house, which, remember, is right next to ours. Sit in their kitchen, smoke, and visit for a few minutes. All of a sudden, Diane says, hey... Where's your man? I was feeling pretty good and had not even noticed that he disappeared. Whoops. Jack said, he went to the bathroom a while ago. Maybe you should go check on him. So off I go to the bathroom to make sure he's okay. I assumed he was probably getting sick. So at this point, I was a little embarrassed. When I got to the bathroom, I knocked on the locked door. Baby, are you okay in there? No answer. I knocked a little harder, and I asked a little louder. Still, no answer. At this point, I am banging on the door, because now I'm thinking, shit, something really, really bad is happening in there. I go back to the kitchen to let our new friends know what's going on. Jack follows me to the bathroom and literally busts open the door to get to my husband, whom at this point I'm assuming is fucking dead in their bathroom. Yeah, I tend to always think the worst in these situations. Same. Same. After the door is finally opened, I rushed inside to find nothing. There's no one there. And that's when I saw it. Their small bathroom window. Fully open, screen busted out, and the outside metal trim covering torn from the house. He jumped out the fucking window. Guys, my husband is a big dude. He's 6'2 and a pretty muscular man. How the hell he squeezed his extra large body through that tiny window, the world will probably never know. But also, he was still nowhere to be found. Jack, Diane, and I bolted outside to look for him and make sure he was okay, but still nothing. Where the hell did he go and what the hell is he doing? Well, I decided to walk back home and see if he was there, right next door, remember? 
I walk into our house and find him in our bedroom. He was attempting to put on pajamas, but he was shaking and was very, very pale. And I'm like, what the hell? What was all that about? Why the fuck did you jump out of our new friend's window? You need to go back over there and explain yourself and apologize. I was so embarrassed, angry, confused, and still shaken. Guess what he said? With his voice shaking, he told me, I'm not going back into that house. I said, still pissed. What? Why? And then he told me, when he had gone to the bathroom and was standing there peeing, he looked up at the door and saw an older man in front of it, just staring at him. But also, he could see through him. He totally freaked out, and not knowing what else to do, he jumped out the damn window and ran home. I then had to call our friends and explain what happened, and they were just like, oh yeah, our house is haunted. Oh my god. They weren't mad or anything, and immediately started laughing their asses off. In that moment, I realized the humor of the situation, but not until that moment. Luckily, my husband is a carpenter, and a few days later, after he calmed down, he went over and fixed their window. We all remained really good friends for years after that, until they got divorced, and Diane tragically died after being hit by a car. Oh, God. Ironically, my husband and I now own that house, along with the house we still live in. We don't reside there, but have never noticed any other strange happenings, and neither have any tenants that we've rented it to. Anyway, that's my creepy slash hilarious story for you all. Creep it real. Love you, ladies. Oh, my God. I would have killed Colby. (laughs) Can you imagine just being like, where the fuck did he go? Like, so out of it. Like, he can't even process, like, oh, just open the fucking door. Right? But also... to get to the door, he'd have to go through the ghost. True, 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 true. You are not understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth. True, but like, come come back to the front door and be like, <laughs> hey, you guys. No, I know. Like, tell somebody. I, mean, I would have screamed. Right. It's that devil's lotus. I was going to say, it's that like illogical logic to yes. the devil's lettuce. <laughs> Man, that's also really fucking funny story. Oh my gosh. I just love that they were like, hey, where's your doodad? It's like, wait, where is he? Wait, yeah, where did he go? <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, it's all cool. Yeah, by the by, we are haunted, so. Yeah. Sorry. Wow, these stories were so good. Thank y'all so much for sending them in. Remember, you can send them into our email, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com, or you can go to our website where you can do the contact us and send it to us directly from there. Remember, there's also lots of other things you can do on the website, like check out show notes, link to the Patreon, and link to the merch store. So don't forget about that. We had some new merch that came out this month, so don't forget to go check it out. Some really awesome designs. Thank you so much, Mandy Diamond, for helping us with these awesome cool designs yeah i wore one of the shirts just yesterday so thank y'all so much and remember creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared